0: Uh, daughter number one, Becca, who whose name is here, but I don't know if she's here. Have you asked permission? Because your daughters are of age now, that they should be allowed to have permission it's, granted. It's not a bad story, Do but you have it, it is appropriate because it is her birthday today. Uh, happy birthday, Becca! <laughs> Wherever she is, happy birthday, Becca. But when Becca was little, like 18 months old, like when Emily was born, um, she stopped napping. She decided at 18 months that she's done with that stuff. She was not going to take a midday nap. Um, And no matter what I did, (laughs) it did not work and she would not sleep. And so we, you know, finally eventually gave up. But the thing is that at some point during the day, a couple, one of a couple things would happen. She would be like running around the house, zooming and doing things and having a great time. And then she would just fall right where she was and fall asleep at four o'clock in the afternoon or something. Or we would be eating dinner that night and she'd be kind of eating and eating and all of a sudden you would see her head go right into the plate. So yeah, we have pictures of Becca with her face full of spaghetti because she would just fall asleep at seven o'clock, whatever at night because she wouldn't nap. Because sometimes, sometimes our heads or our mothers tell our body, tell us that our bodies need something But our bodies do not cooperate with our heads or our mothers, and they don't listen and they don't do what they're told and they don't settle down on whatever we do. Something I learned while I was while I was working on this, actually, I got this in a message in my email is that my personality type, the Myers-Briggs INFJ, is the type that is least likely to be able to go to sleep when there's something exciting looming on the horizon i didn't know that but that explains all of the times when i tell my body you have a flight a 6 a.m flight you have to get up at four go to sleep and it doesn't (laughs) i'm always up half the night when i know i have to get up at like four in the morning to go somewhere so now i know why And this week, we're talking about times when our bodies don't really want to cooperate with our hearts and minds, when we're anxious and fearful um, during this season, especially this year, and how can we learn gratitude in the middle of it. And I kind of want to preface this with a couple things. One is that according to statistics, anxiety, depression, um, things like that are, are roaring through the under 30 crowd right now. They're just at peak levels historically. And even more so with winter coming and um, COVID getting worse and people having to go back inside again all winter, um, it's going to get bad. And that's something to keep in prayer. And that's something for the church to really be on top of and think about with each other and with our friends to be paying um, some serious attention to that. And a couple of things, a a caveat that I want to make before we start is I don't want anyone walking away from this conversation thinking, hey, pastor believes that faith is the way we fix anxiety and we can fix ourselves and it's really easy to work out. And the answer to that is no, (laughs) that's not what Pastor's going to say. First of all, there's a difference between clinical anxiety and free floating fearful anxiety. They're two different animals. And it's important to remember that, um, that a lot of what's going on right now is not the clinical stuff. It's more of the global free-floating stuff. Um, And that's most of what we're gonna talk about, but what we're gonna talk about can help with the clinical part too. So I kinda wanna make sure that we all know that, that we're talking about two different things and I don't want people to walk away going, oh, I'm a terrible Christian because I don't have enough faith to overcome my fears. So, you know, that's not what I want us to hear. So does that make sense so far? Um, I mentioned last week that Peter Skazero, the author of The Emotionally Healthy Church, has a question that he suggests we ask during this time. And that is, what is God doing in this? During this time of free-floating anxiety and difficult circumstances, what is God doing in this? And I love this question and I want us to notice, first of all, what this question is not. And this question is not, what is God teaching me in this? Um, And I think that's an important distinction to make because I think sometimes it seems almost cruel to those who have actually suffered or are suffering, um, who have lost loved ones or their job or who are feeling depressed. It's, it's kind of cruel sometimes to say, well, what's God teaching you in this? It's, it's almost like minimizing their pain um, and summing it up into some giant cosmic object lesson. <laughs> like, hey, sorry, your spouse died, but God's gonna teach you something that's, that's not helpful. <laughs> So I think a better question is the one he's getting at, what could God do with us in this situation? What can he bring out of it? And that gets us out of this persistent, why? Why is this happening? And this, this question of why, which we can't ever answer. Um, and it also gets us out of thinking that, that God is heartless for orchestrating you know, what's going on. If we look at this question, what, what is he doing? Um, that we can look for. What is he, if we remember our words that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, what is he trying to get our attention about? What does he want us to remember? What does he want us to listen to? Um, and sees as a community, as an opportunity in this. So we have the chance to look at our fears in this light. And I think that's an important light to look at it in. And I guarantee that we will stand out as as different if we get up in the morning and we look at the circumstances and say, okay, what is God doing in this? Instead of looking at the circumstances. Um, But there is a tension in dealing with anxiety and fears. Just like last week when we came up with with different propositions that had to somehow come together, this week is the same way. Um, We live in wisdom and consciousness that following best practices are gonna result in the best outcome, but we also don't have guarantees. And how do we put all that together? So the first, I guess, the propositions this week, we have control over our choices, but not necessarily over our lives. And that's a tough one to swallow. And the big, big thoughts this week that we're gonna talk about and go through in the next few minutes making wise choices results in fear management, accepting my lack of control results in fear transformation. And we need both. It's not an either or, it's a both. And so we're gonna talk about both. Um, First, we're gonna talk about the first one, making wise choices results in fear management and spend some time figuring out what that means. So turning to Proverbs two and James one, any volunteer readers this morning? I'll read it. Proverbs 2, 1-3-7. My child, accept my words. Store up my commands inside you. Let your ears listen to wisdom. Apply your heart to understanding. Call out for the ability to be wise. Cry out for understanding. Look for it as you would look for silver, search for it as you would search for hidden treasure. then you will understand how to have respect for the Lord. You will find out how to know God. The Lord gives wisdom, knowledge, and under oh the Lord gives wisdom, knowledge and understanding come from his mouth. He stores up success for honest people. I have to say. That is not good sentence structure. It wasn't written in English originally. (laughs) That's fair. Am I reading this too? Sure. It's just this one. James one five. If any of you needs wisdom, you should ask God for it. He will give it to you. God gives freely to everyone and doesn't find fault. Thank you. So we learn a lot about wisdom from these verses. And again, as you know, I'm going to say half the time. If you look at the verbs in Proverbs and James, what are we told to do with wisdom? What are are we learning that we're supposed to do with it? Ask for it. Ask for it.
1: Seek it.
0: Yep, seek it.
2: Listen to it as God will give it to you.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Some of the same verbs we've talked about before. Listen, guard. Look back at the Proverbs ones. Look for it.
1: Accept and apply. And listen.
0: (laughs) Accept and apply, those are some tough ones. This one says, store it up too. And call out. I mean, we're not just supposed to seek it and look for it and ask for it. It says in Proverbs, call out and cry out for it. Like, it's really important that it's something we should be seeking and storing up as of extreme value Um, and actively seeking it and actively keeping it. And I think sometimes we forget how very valuable wisdom is and how very uncommon it seems to be sometimes. Um, But that God has these words for us that we need it so desperately we should be seeking it and crying out for it. And, um, but also that he's happy to give it to us. I mean, James says that he wants to give it to us. It's not like God's holding back. At the same time, I have a question for like the parents of teenagers here. Your kid turns 16 years old. Are you gonna hand him or her the keys to a brand new Maserati?
3: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> not even giving him oh. the keys to the what, 1999
0: Honda. <laughs> I <just laughs> say, if I have a Maserati, I'm
3: driving the Maserati.
0: <laughs> okay, money's no option here. That's, that's a given. That <laughs> wouldn't even let us drive his Prius. True, why not? Because he loved his Prius immaturity and experience. <laughs> okay, yeah, because we want to give our children freely good gifts, but at the same time,
4: what. Um, I said I would give my 16-year-old the keys to the riding lawnmower to work. I was
0: driving a riding lawnmower and I was like eight probably, Molly, so that was probably not a good idea, but. <laughs> uh, ours are doing it seven, eight, six. <laughs> See? And they're fine. <laughs> well, they're doing active so active.
3: I no. can hear both of you. My soon-to-be 16-year-old would probably take that writing more lawnmower and take it to his friend's house. <laughs> there's
0: uh there's a movie about that.
3: Yes, there is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we we love them, we want to give them gifts, but at the same time, we look at the situation, we say, you know, I think maybe a little more maturity, a little more time, a little more practice with the smaller scale things before we move up to the very valuable stuff. (laughs) And sometimes um, we also have to remember that part of the mix when we're talking about God and wisdom. So he wants to give it to us freely. And we're going to get back to that for more in a minute, but he wants to give it to us freely. It says so in James. And he does. And there are times when we cannot make, as I as I said in the opening, we can't make our bodies go to sleep. We can't make them do what they should do. We can't make ourselves feel less anxious. But we can set up parameters and practices that make it easier for my body to cooperate with what my brain says. And that's wisdom. That's where this wisdom comes in that God says He will give it to give to us. Um, so like in anxious times what kind of practices can we set up for ourselves to make our bodies cooperate with what our mind says god says that that we don't need to fear For me, I know, to give an example, one of my practices is is to put down the electronics an hour before I want to go to bed because otherwise I won't sleep. That's a good, wise practice that, you know, physicians tell you and I never paid attention to, but turns out they're right.
2: Well, I was going to say at some point, you kind of have to break the mold, you have to break the uh, certain behaviors that you do that you just know are not working out for you. <laughs> so seek advice of either others around you, doctors, whoever, you know, that say maybe you should try this. And as hard as it is to break that mold, um, try it and see if how it works and if that doesn't work then you try something else um I know that you know my boys struggle with like procrastination and sometimes timeliness of things and no matter how much I preach and teach and tell them like things until they do it themselves you know they they're not going to learn it like that good old saying you can lead a horse to water but you can't make them drink yep so um, yeah. And, you know, with me, some, I struggle with some things too. And I try, yes, it works sometimes. Sometimes you fall into old habits and kind of give yourself a little permission to kind of do that, but then get back on that bandwagon, you know, cause if you know something's going to be good for you, you just got to have to stick with that. It's hard sometimes. I'm not going to say it's easy. It's a daily struggle for me and a lot of people. Mm -hmm.
1: yeah it's uh, been my experience for myself and also for my patients that you got to have a want to if you don't have a want to it's not going to happen and though it is true that you can lead a horse to water but you can't make them drink you can if you put salt in their oats they will drink (laughs) so you have to figure out what the salt is
2: I didn't hear that last part of you can can do what to the horse to get him to drink?
1: You can get a horse to drink if you put salt in his oats. But you got to figure out what the salt is to make him drink.
2: Got it. it. I like that.
0: (laughs) I don't think I'm going to try that with my cat to make him drink more water. (laughs) He's already got enough problems. Don't, Don't do that. but there are some things we've talked about in the last few weeks like don't spend too much time doom scrolling as they say (laughs) yeah reading all of the news reading all of the social media don't let too much of that into your head because that's that's anxiety making one of my friends this past week kept putting up on Facebook um, these like kittens, and it would say "Stop doom scrolling now," and uh, it was cute. <laughs> there you go. Look at pictures of kittens. <laughs> but yes, it was kind of a like check yourself, get off the Facebook
2: kind of a thing, which was nice. Yeah. So Pinterest has this beautiful thing of um, if you just like search for it once, like baby animals or kittens or dogs and the cute and fluffy ones and oh my gosh. So whenever I am having a not so great day, I just look at that for a while and it's so It <laughs> 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 you know, it does. It's so cute. Babies, animals, I don't know. Baby animals are
0: adorable.
2: Oh my gosh. They do.
3: Just... The angry ones, like baby I have a solution for social media, which I'm sure everybody knows, but doesn't want to do it.
0: Oh, uh, get off of it?
3: Yeah, but what I'm saying, obviously, that we all know that, right? But how do you get somebody to get off of it? Well, subconsciously, if you get yourself um, active in something productive, you will be so busy with it and enjoying it that you're not going to, I mean, I'd I, I probably didn't. I did. I probably didn't see Facebook since Wednesday night. I haven't seen Facebook since Wednesday night. And why? Because I've been busy, constructively working and doing other things. Yeah. We have too much. We have too much time in our hands. Sometimes. That's that's what's too, important. And we choose that over anything else.
0: Yeah, doing something physical is really important. That's that's good for your body and your mind. That's why It practice. could be
3: scrapbooking. For all you care, it could be scrapbooking or 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 going in to help someone, a friend, or you know what I'm saying. Just keep. You don't have to get out of your house too, but if it has to be that way, then it has to be that way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, I've been stress-baking a lot. It's not good for me either. <laughs> Wisdom tells you not to eat all that stuff. But... Yeah, away. That important one and Sell not- it
3: then. I'll Sell eat. it. You don't have to eat it. Sell it or give it away.
0: Did you just... Oh, no, you haven't been on Facebook. I was going to say, oh. you should have seen my last post because I was all like, I should eat the salad in my fridge. And then I went off and made a brownie chunky peanut butter chocolate chip pie instead so Put
1: that in yum room.
2: that sounds yummy <laughs>
0: it was so good it was so rich though like you can eat three spoonfuls at a time and that's it i gave half of it away to the neighbors <laughs> well albert's hitting on some really good things do something physical do something that takes your mind off things help other people stay off social media. Now that's not something I personally can do because I have to be on there professionally. However, I made the decision that the week before and after the election, I wasn't going on Facebook (laughs)
1: because
0: I wanted to stay sane. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that was a wise choice. I think, um, I, I don't know I oscillate in between with social media because sometimes it's it's a very useful tool and then other times I just completely block it out and I think I've been more on the ladder just because I'm very comfortable with this is not going to sound so weird in 2020 but I'm very comfortable with the close friends that I have that I don't feel the need to care about all of the like other people out there You know, like I'll see what when they've got some big event going on in their life or something, but I don't feel like I need to know what they made for dinner, you know? I've got my core group and I am very content with my core group. And then also apparently Andrew and Mai's idea of a fun time is doing like logic puzzles that take two hours (laughs) or longer. (laughs) So that's what we do instead of going online. We just did one last night. It was a lot of fun. Something you can do long distance. Yeah. So, I mean, the scripture is telling us a lot of things. It's saying, come to me, listen to me, ask from me, but also then prove like the Maserati, that you do something with it, that you're not just hearing it and ignoring it. Apply it, is what the Proverbs said, um, and guard it and teach it to other people. Again, back to those four words again, listen, pay attention, remember, guard it, teach it. And I do think that some of Jesus' statements fit with this topic as well. He remembered the parable of the talents when um, the master gave a bunch of talents a bunch of money to his servants and he said invest this be careful with it and the one who just buried it and said i was afraid um, is the one who was punished and in luke twelve forty eight, it tells us jesus says much will be required of everyone who has been given much even more will be asked of the person who's supposed to take care of much so God seems to be saying he will give us more wisdom if we have been proved trustworthy with the wisdom we've been given. And if we use it and follow it and share it and guard it. um, And the Proverbs do back that up as well. That if we are given wisdom and we squander it, um, we shouldn't expect more. (laughs) We should expect to be driving around the beat up old VW or the lawn tractor for quite a while longer if we've refused to apply what we've already been given. But if we do, then that first principle, making wise choices results in fear management, that's what we're doing. With coming up with those ways of of dealing with our fears and anxieties, we're managing them by using wisdom that God has given us, by asking God to give us more wisdom to to work through this world without fear. And that's important. And we shouldn't be downplaying it just because we're saying, oh, you're just managing your fear. We're not. We are using wisdom to manage our fears. And that's biblical and that's good. So, and he says he'll give us more wisdom if we use it well. So any any questions thoughts on that before we move on to the second half, which is a little harder.
4: Wait, so one last thing with the social media, I was gonna say, the more you move it away, like I years ago, I put it on a back page on my phone. I've been on Facebook several times this week because I saw that there were pictures of my nieces. (laughs) I've scrolled through to see things because after several years of rarely going on and I made one comment, read one post on anything political in the past month. Well, actually since it all started, so months and months and months, uh, one time, which I'm kind of regretting because that is what keeps running through my head so that just taught me to go back to what I was doing but eventually you can train yourself to go on Facebook for fun things like it was for which is to check out my nieces in Houston to see what's going on with my friends that live out of state and but it just takes not doing it for so long and realizing that what it's what it's become is not what it needs to be for you and it doesn't need this like be a time suck of all your time and i don't know if pinterest is considered social media but that works really well too um the puppies and the kittens are even just like paint coring and you know different i mean they're all so much more positive so i just wanted to say that that you can go on it it's not all evil it's right. just you have to train yourself to almost not see or just kind of let your eyes slide past all the negativity that's
0: What I was say, or train yourself to say, you know what, I don't have to comment on everything I don't agree with,
4: <laughs> right? Exactly, right?
3: It, you know, in and theory, I go, again, we, we can spend hours in this, and obviously, this is church time, but you know, the point that if you sit around and look and see that humanity has gotten to a point where their head is down everybody should be going to the chiropractor because basically that's what that's what we do in day in and day out and i'm not saying me you're you i'm saying 90 percent of us as we go anywhere even family gathering there's a point in that that we're not sitting talking to each other anymore every single one is looking down at a phone
4: the chiropractor actually oh. has a name for that <laughs> oh, yeah. it's called text It's and it's really bad. It is. I mean, you, you said everybody should be going to the chiropractor. You're right. Um, not joke, all joking aside, they absolutely should because it's causing so many problems with the spine. You're absolutely right.
0: So with the fear management question, like, and I know you started this off with the uh, preface that like, obviously, um, this is not the end-all be-all for mental illnesses and stuff, but where do you find the defining line between reasonable fears to have about something and like anxiety fears that the worst possible situation is going to be the one that comes true? Yeah. And I think we're going to touch on that now in the second half. But, and I think you know that most uh, clinically, most people are gonna say, if it is controlling your choices and limiting your lifestyle, then it's a problem. A medical problem. If it's just making you worried and anxious and scared, then it's a management problem. Jamie, your hair is so long. You no, know, isn't it? <laughs> But sometimes we can use the management techniques to help with the other. Yeah, well so that's where like sure. Christian therapy sessions come in. Right.
1: Another sort of way to distinguish it is if there is something that it is reasonable to believe would actually happen and could be bad for you, that is appropriate fear. Whereas anxiety is, being overly concerned about something that likely isn't going to happen. And this is your thoughts and your actions.
0: Yes, but the problem is also not being able to differentiate between what is reasonable fear and what is not. (laughs) Yes,
1: exactly.
0: Well, maybe part two will help with that. Maybe. We'll see. Um, Because we do come to the other part of the equation. And the more difficult one, that is accepting my lack of control, results in fear transformation. And that's different because there are things we can control and things we can manage, and there are things we cannot. And what do we do with those things? And I wanna look back at the Psalm that we read in the very beginning together to talk about that. Yeah, it's in there. That's a little longer. Does anybody want to volunteer to read that one? And while we're listening to it, to think about what it's telling us about fear and God. I mean, I believe, I know. But I'm
3: driving, sorry.
0: I love reading songs. So if Don't no, read while you drive. I can read it. Thank you. Just let me sit down because I got my hot cocoa. Oh! <gasps> All 91. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, These evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. So what are we, what are we hearing? in that Psalm about God and about fear. That there are still going to be lions and serpents, but we are going to, and we're going to have to get real close to them, which I don't like, but we're ultimately going to prevail. scary things will still exist.
4: I don't know. I stubbed my toe an awful lot.
0: <laughs> uh, you said a naughty word when you stubbed your toe the other day.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Anybody see that video? <laughs> I'll share it to the group chat after church. <laughs> And Stephanie has hit on a very important point, we have to look at the genre of literature that we're dealing with, which is the Psalms, which is basically a poem or even a love song to God. And we all know that when you've had to read poems in high school or whatever from the Cavalier poets, if you remember that, which I never really liked. um, Oh my gosh, I love the Cavalier poets. (laughs) They write amazing things about how wonderful their loved one is and they're really over the top. And we know when we read those that their loved one is not always perfect. Her voice is not always as sweet as wine and her eyes are not always as soft as dough's. And maybe he even snores. We know this. (laughs) But we're talking about a love song and a praise song and that's what this is. And so we don't extract promises from it that you will never stub your toe if you love Jesus because that's not what it's saying (laughs) that's not purpose I think that's a very um American culturism too because we are very much in the mindset or in the in the cultural movement of realism in a way so it's like when you marry someone and you say your vows or whatever, and there's like the cheesy vows that are like, I promise to love you, even though you snore and which are stupid things. Sorry if anybody like had that in their vows. Um, but, um but there is very much like this focus on the negative in our, in our culture, focus on the negative and still loving through that versus in the Psalms, it's very much an ignoring of the negative, almost. <laughs> it's just a different culture. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, basically what you just said, but I, I turned it around and said it again because I had to. It's, it's a song of absolute praise and love for God, and that's what it's meant to be. It's not meant to be a guarantee, um, just like the Proverbs aren't
1: rationalize rationalize around that saying well i guess it depends on what you mean by harm
0: (laughs) (laughs) in fact if you you may have recognized some of the lines out of psalm 91 um, were quoted by satan himself to jesus did anybody pick those up
1: Mm -hmm. when he's being tempted in the wilderness you're nuts. So if you strike your foot against a stone, all of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Satan says to Jesus in the wilderness, hey, God promised the angels would pick you up if you jumped out of this building. says so in Psalm 91. And Jesus says, no, dude, that's not how we do with God. We, we don't tempt God. It's not okay. So you know, we have Jesus saying, don't take this out of context, don't take, don't use it to tempt God, and um, use it to seek after wisdom. But it is telling us some things about God. What is Psalm 91 telling us about God in our fears? You don't get the Maserati until you crush a few snake heads. You're out on that one. You're never getting
3: one. Maserati. <laughs> I, I was going to say, let it, it go. It's not that good anyways. Uh,
1: <laughs> I don't see any promise here about anybody getting the Maserati. And, uh, you know, that's the other thing that we kind of enter into is just because I'm driving the lawnmower doesn't mean that I'm bad. Just because I never get anything more than lawnmire, it doesn't mean I've made bad choices. What's important is that I understand that, that God has given me something and my purpose is to do what my job is. Do what God says tip. to do with it. And a
0: lawnmower be- is more useful than a Maserati too, because <laughs> you cut the lawn.
1: Depends on what your job is. If your job is to go places quickly, I suppose you want the Maserati. If your job is to mow the lawn, then I guess the Maserati is not going to be of much use. Um, That's a good point. Well, really
0: want to cut a lion though.
3: <laughs> if you know how to drive it, you can burn the wheels and that'll cut the grass. <laughs> There's always an excuse for something.
0: I have definitely gotten the lawnmower up to full speed before and it drives my mother insane it's terrifying but anyway what else is it telling us about god in psalm 91 can you put it back up yeah but it's in pieces yeah i know but i just don't remember it
3: Oh, while well, you guys look in back uh, when Emily was talking about, you know, fixation about the negative and stuff. And the way I look at it is you shouldn't think that I love you because I deal with your snore. Just like God, you shouldn't think that God loves you because, you know, he put he puts up with your sins or whatever. It's
0: unconditional. Um, Stop there, Dad. Because there is definitely the, when they call on me, I will answer, I will be with them in trouble. So kind of like um, in a lot of the Old Testament books, where, and probably also the New Testament, but the Old Testament comes to mind, where troops are extremely outnumbered. Like we we can go back to Moses even, um, since that's one that we recently went through. And every single time the troops are all like, oh, I don't know, should we do this? This seems like really bad odds. And the leader says, yeah, but we've got God on our side. (laughs) And they ultimately win the battle um, because of that extra oomph. You know, it, it helps to have that, you know, plus 20 armor on your side. (laughs) Um, So I think that's kind of interesting for us, like to know that when we do go up against the lion or something, it is okay to be scared, but also to recognize that we still have to go up against the lion and we have God on our side and,
1: No, I think this we
0: aren't really in trouble. Like we are in trouble, but we aren't in trouble.
1: Seems like the center of the song psalm is the statement, I will be with them in trouble. Everything else turns around that. No matter what happens, I will be with them.
0: I will be with them. I am trustworthy, I am stronger, I am bigger, I am loving. There's no, there's no, we won't have trouble. There's no, we won't have fears, but there is very strongly. He is stronger. He is bigger. He is trustworthy. He is with us. Have you all seen the like updated version of the footprints in the sand thing? Where you know, you know, like, there's, there's one footprint, one pair of footprints and God's all like, well, that's where I carried you. And then it continues on. And he's like that over there. That's where I dragged you. <laughs> kicking and screaming the whole way (laughs) another one um, another one of the things that Peter Scazzaro says when he talks about this is that unless that's last week we're done (laughs) unless we're emptied Jesus cannot fill us and so and he uses Mary as an example um, when Mary says let it be unto me whatever you say. In other words, what you're saying is slightly terrifying when she's talking to the angel, but I will empty myself of all my expectations and I will accept it. I will accept the fear. I will accept the things that could happen to me. I mean, it was a death sentence. What? It was a death sentence. It, It was. And she accepted that it was not going to be. And she accepted, she emptied all of those worries and said, okay, you do what you have to do. Um, and so, the question for us and our fears after we've used our wisdom to ensure the things that we can ensure and manage the things we can manage is what are we holding on to and what are we refusing to empty out for God to fill? And I think a lot of the times when we talk about gratitude and Thanksgiving, we think about, Oh, we have to be thankful for all the things we have. And I think sometimes we should remember, um, we just need to be thankful for him so that we can let go of all those other things we have and not hold on to them tightly. And if we're clinging to this idea that some things can't happen to us, um, then we have a problem. And I don't, I I referred to this, um, I guess a pivotal moment for me, I guess I referred to at some point was when, um, when Becca was a teenager and one of her very closest friends was killed in, um, in a freak ATV accident. (laughs) <laughs> and I came face to face with this realization that this really amazing, wonderful, intelligent, kind teenage boy was gone. And up till then, I, I had this magical thinking, I guess, that most parents have, that my kids are so amazing and exceptional and wonderful that nothing's ever going to happen to them (laughs) because that's the way parents want to think. And suddenly this kid who was exceptional and amazing had died. And it just, it just wrecked something inside of me that said, wait a minute, if that can happen to him, that can happen to me. That can happen to my kids. And I had to put down that magical thinking (laughs) Um, and empty it out and accept my lack of control in that. And it was really hard. And it was, it was really, um, I don't know. It was just a really, like I said, a very pivotal moment to realize that, um, I'm not special. (laughs) My kids are not special and terrible things can happen to us. So what do I do with that? I have to empty that and I have to put that down and I have to accept I am not in control of that. Accepting my lack of control results in fear transformation. And it's a weird thing to say maybe that accepting that the worst that could happen can happen is a way of getting rid of fear because you would think, well, that would stoke your fears, right? But it's the opposite. When we accept that the worst that can happen, can happen. Then suddenly we face the worst that can happen. It's like what I used to do with Beth when she was scared of things. And I would go through that litany of, well, what's the worst that can happen? Well, I'll be embarrassed. Well, then what's the worst that can, and you get down to the end and you realize the worst that can happen. And, and I'll still be here. Um, and it's okay that I can't control that because the God of Psalm 91 is in control. And for some of us, that level of releasing our fears takes a mixture of faith and meds, and that's okay. That's okay, because God gives us that. But to be able to transform that faith, that fear, we have to be able to let go of control and that doesn't mean it's easy Um, but the human need to control is like one of the most messed up things in us that we need to put down so I don't know if you have anything any ways that that works for you that putting down the control has helped you with the nagging anxieties of 2020 um, that you've feel about living into psalm 91 and releasing that is there any do you have any thoughts before i talk about how maybe that works for me um something my therapist taught me a while ago that really helps me it's it's kind of like a spin-off of what's the worst that can happen but it's kind of just um for when i have you know compulsions and things so like say that my brain tells me that I forgot to put in the soap in a load of laundry. And so it wants me to like redo the load. And so my therapist taught me to say, so what, does this hurt anybody? Does this hurt you? The only thing that's changed in this situation is that you are doing a load of laundry twice. And if that's what it takes, like just tell your brain, I know that I did it right, but I'm gonna do it again anyway because so what. And um and that has been very freeing for me. And obviously she said make sure that you use this with a grain of salt because uh, you can't use it on on dangerous things like if you're washing your hands every 2 minutes or something. Um but um but that has been very helpful to me to get rid of a lot of guilty feelings about like not trusting myself. And and just being able to like accept that sometimes I will do things differently and it is okay. <laughs> um, that's more like on the med side of things. Um, but like also just whenever I'm feeling stressed or overwhelmed or anything, and we've talked about this before because mother and I are very similar in this. I'll just put on like old Celtic hems or something And just like lay on the floor (laughs) and listen to old Celtic hymns and do breathing exercises and just sing. And it is very, you feel God's presence there.
3: Yeah. So, are you telling me that I need to download old Celtic hymns? Definitely. Yes, that
0: is the only thing that will work, Albert. Ocean noises works for me sometimes, too, but both. I put on the Spotify ocean noise playlist. So I would like and they have to be in minor keys. Only minor keys. <laughs> um,
4: so I would really like to... Uh, I don't have any of these answers. And I, as I'm listening to you talk, this is something you and I... Jill have discussed before, and what's the worst that can happen. And I still haven't figured out how to get past it. I figured out how to deal with the anxiety attacks. Um, My friend here actually, Nicole taught me how to do simple math and those tricks. But I don't know how to get past that fear of the dangerous things of the, you know, where are my kids when they're supposed to be home and they're not home and nobody left a note and oh my gosh. my mind spins off all these things or when Kirsten's out and for some reason her phone They're having a lot of location problems like her, even with her boss at work. It's just not it's not sending it I mean we were Hours away from home Yesterday and it was still showing that she was at the house at our house So I would really like some of those because I, As much as we can say God is in control and that doesn't stop, you know, and we have to accept um, that accepting that we are not in control makes the fear go away. Accepting that we are not in control makes my breathing change. And I start getting short of breath and I start panicking and I'm on the first tears and it is not making it better. So I would really like to know how to do that because I have not found the trick for my brain and my emotions because I am stressed out all the time to the point that As we were talking about this, and I had mentioned how we're so, so worried about my blood sugar and it's not changing. I've had two increases of insulin. It's still not changing. And the endocrinologist can't get me in until January, February. And so I'm still freaking out. Um, And I haven't found a way to change that. I, you know, it's very easy for me to tell someone else how to deal with their stress, like Kirsten. She would agree with that, that I tell her how to deal with it. I haven't figured it out yet.
0: And I think definitely, I mean, obviously for you, Molly, and we, we know this, that, I mean, there is the clinical aspect. And so I can't sit here and tell you faith in God is going to take care of your anxiety because you are one of the people who needs meds and you're one of the people who needs that work because it's chemical for you it's not entirely you know it's it's not just generalized fear but chemical (laughs) i mean um like i was gonna say and i've and one of the things that makes it easier for me and not that i'm wishing that on anybody that I have been through the worst. I mean, I have hit that bottom and I've survived. <laughs> um, but talking about just for now, and I think about how do I deal with this? How do I deal right now with the fact that my husband goes to work every day and he peers into people's throats and they're coughing and sneezing on him and whatever. and. And right now that's something that could, you know, potentially kill him or me. (laughs) How do I deal with that on a daily basis? And the fact that it's getting worse, not better. Um, And that scares me. And there's, there's no way to get around that. But then I look at the two aspects of this and I find gratitude in knowing, okay, God gave us wise measures to avoid that outcome. And we seek those and we guard them and we listen to them and we follow them and we pray. And I, and I am thankful for those things. And I am thankful that he does all of those things in his office. And so I know we have that wisdom behind us. And you know you have the wisdom of all the things you've taught Kirsten <laughs> um, behind you. But on the other hand, I also know the truth of what I just said, that I'm not special. And that I have to look at God and I have to say, if the worst happens, you and I are tight, God, you and I are good. And that's all I need. And I can hold on tight to Psalm 91, those who live in the shelter of the most high will find rest. He is my refuge. He is my place of safety. He is my God. And I trust him. He will answer me. He will be with me. And I, I have to come to that place of saying, if that is what happens, that is where I am. That's where I'm going to stay. And like I said, it's, it's easier for me because I've been there. I have gotten to that point, but that's the letting go. And I don't know how to tell somebody else how to do that. I can just say that's that letting go is, is where you have to be. And that's where the transformation happens. And that's where we find out what God is doing. Um, and I'm grateful to God that we have both aspects, that we have the, the wisdom to manage our fears. All the things that you have taught your children, all the things that we, you know, we assume they know. And then we have the promise, God, I will be with you no matter what to handle the things we can't control. Things like when, you know, I've got phone tracking on Emily when she's out on a date, but it's two in the morning and her car is not moving in the middle of the interstate. And I'm freaking out. <laughs> I told you what happened. After the fact. I oh, yeah. could have I that not answering the text. <laughs> I texted you. Well, she had a flat tire at two in the morning. I had a flat tire. There watching I her anyway. move for a couple hours going, what's going on at two in the morning? It was awful. Yeah. But that's when you resort to Psalm 91 and texting. Because that's wisdom. That's management and transformation. Also, I would just like to say my mother does not keep tabs on me to that extent. I only give, gave her that information when I was on a date with a stranger. That is true. I do not have location on my children as a rule ever, unless they decide that it's a situation that warrants it. <laughs> and they are wise. And she knew that it was. So we're back to we have control over our choices, but not our lives. And making wise choices results in fear management and accepting my lack of control results in fear transformation. And we need both. We just need both for anxiety and fears. Um, Anything else? That's all I've got.